chapter seventy four of the history of pendennis this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org the history of pendennis by william makepeace thackeray chapter seventy four shows how arthur had better have taken a return ticket the train carried arthur only too quickly to tunbridge though he had time to review all the circumstances of his life as he made the brief journey and to acknowledge to what sad conclusions his selfishness and waywardness had led him here is the end of hopes and aspirations thought he of romance and ambitions where i yield or where i am obstinate i am alike unfortunate my mother implores me and i refuse an angel say i had taken her forced on me as she was laura would never have been an angel to me i could not have given her my heart at another's instigation i never could have known her as she is had i been obliged to ask another to interpret her qualities and point out her virtues i yield to my uncle's solicitations and accept on his guarantee blanche and a seat in parliament and wealth and ambition and a career and see fortune comes and leaves me the wife without the dowry which i had taken in compensation of a heart why was i not more honest or am i not less so it would have cost my poor old uncle no pangs to accept blanche's fortune whencesoever it came he can't even understand he is bitterly indignant heart-stricken almost at the scruples which actuate me in refusing it i dissatisfy everybody a maimed weak imperfect wretch it seems as if i am unequal to any fortune i neither make myself nor any one connected with me happy what prospect is there for this poor little frivolous girl who is to take my obscure name and share my fortune i am not even ambition to excite me or self-esteem enough to console myself much more her for my failure if i were to write a book that should go through twenty editions why i should be the very first to sneer at my reputation say i could succeed at the bar and achieve a fortune by bullying witnesses and twisting evidence is that a fame which would satisfy my longings or a calling in which my life would be well spent how i wish i could be that priest opposite who never has lifted his eyes from his breviary except when we were in rygate tunnel when he could not see or that old gentleman next him who scowls at him with eyes of hatred over his newspaper the priest shuts his eyes to the world but has his thoughts on the book which is as directory to the world to come his neighbour hates him as a monster tyrant persecutor and fancies burning martyrs and that pale countenance looking on and lighted up by the flame these have no doubts these march on trustfully bearing their load of logic would you like to look at the paper sir here interposed the stout gentleman it had a flaming article against the order of the black-coated gentleman who was travelling with them in the carriage and pen thanked him and took it and pursued his reverie without reading two sentences of the journal and yet would you take either of those men's creeds with its consequences he thought ah me you must bear your own burthen fashion your own faith think your own thoughts and pray your own prayer to what mortal ear could i tell all if i had a mind or who could understand all who can tell another's shortcomings lost opportunities weigh the passions which overpower the defects which incapacitate reason 
what extent of truth and right his neighbour's mind is organised to perceive and to do what invisible and forgotten accident terror of you chance or mischance of fortune may have altered the whole current of life a grain of sand may alter it as the flinging of a pebble may end it who can weigh circumstances passions temptations that go to our good and evil account save one before whose awful wisdom we kneel and at whose mercy we ask absolution here it ends thought pen this day or to-morrow will wind up the account of my youth a weary retrospect alas a sad history with many a page i would fain not look back on but who has not been tired or fallen and who has escaped without scars from that struggle and his head fell on his breast and the young man's heart prostrated itself humbly and sadly before that throne where sits wisdom and love and pity for all and made its confession what matters about fame or poverty he thought if i marry this woman i have chosen may i have strength and will to be true to her and to make her happy if i have children pray god teach me to speak and to do the truth among them and to leave them an honest name there are no splendours for my marriage does my life deserve any i begin a new phase of it a better than the last may it be i pray heaven the train stopped at tunbridge as pen was making these reflections and he handed over the newspaper to his neighbour of whom he took leave while the foreign clergyman in the opposite corner still sat with his eyes on his book pen jumped out of the carriage then his carpet-bag in hand and briskly determined to face his fortune a fly carried him rapidly to lady clavering's house from the station and as he was transported thither arthur composed a little speech which he intended to address to blanche and which was really as virtuous honest and well-minded an oration as any man of his turn of mind and under his circumstances could have uttered the purport of it was blanche i cannot understand from your last letter what your meaning is or whether my fair and frank proposal to you is acceptable or no i think you know the reason which induces me to forego the worldly advantages which a union with you offered and which i could not accept without as i fancy being dishonoured if you doubt of my affection here i am ready to prove it let smirk be called in and let us be married out of hand and with all my heart i propose to keep my vow and to cherish you through life and to be a true and a loving husband to you from the fly arthur sprang out then to the hall door where he was met by a domestic whom he did not know the man seemed to be surprised at the approach of the gentleman with the carpet-bag which he made no attempt to take from arthur's hands her ladyship's not at home sir the man remarked i am mr pendennis arthur said where is lightfoot lightfoot is gone answered the man my lady is out and my orders was i hear miss amory's voice in the drawing-room said arthur take the bag to a dressing-room if you please and passing by the porter he walked straight towards that apartment from which as the door opened a warble of melodious notes issued our little siren was at her piano singing with all her might and fascinations master clavering was asleep on the sofa indifferent to the music but near blanche sat a gentleman who was perfectly enraptured with her strain which was of a passionate and melancholy nature as the door opened the gentleman started up with hello the music stopped with a little shriek from the singer frank clavering woke up from the sofa and arthur came forward and said what foker how do you do foker he looked at the piano and there by miss amory's side was just such another purple leather box as he had seen in harry's hand three days before when the heir of logwood was coming out of a jeweller's shop in waterloo place 
it was opened and curled round the white satin cushion within was oh such a magnificent serpentine bracelet with such a blazing ruby head and diamond tail howdy do pendennis said foker blanche made many motions of the shoulders and gave signs of unrest and agitation and she put her handkerchief over the bracelet and then she advanced with a hand which trembled very much to greet pen how is dearest laura she said the face of foker looking up from his profound mourning that face so piteous and puzzled was one which the reader's imagination must depict for himself also that of master frank clavering who looking at the three interesting individuals with an expression of the utmost knowingness had only time to ejaculate the words here's a jolly go and to disappear sniggering pen too had restrained himself up to that minute but looking still at foker whose ears and cheeks tingled with blushes arthur burst out into a fit of laughter so wild and loud that it frightened blanche much more than any the most serious exhibition and this was the secret was it don't blush and turn away foker my boy why man you are a pattern of fidelity could i stand between blanche and such constancy could i stand between miss amory and fifteen thousand a year it is not that mr pendennis blanche said with great dignity it is not money it is not rank it is not gold that moves me but it is constancy it is fidelity it is a whole trustful loving heart offered to me that i treasure yes that i treasure and she made for her handkerchief but reflecting what was underneath it she paused i do not disown i do not disguise my life is above disguise to him on whom it is bestowed my heart must be for ever bare that i once thought i loved you yes thought i was beloved by you i own how i clung to that faith how i strove i prayed i longed to believe it but your conduct always your own words so cold so heartless so unkind have undeceived me you trifled with the heart of the poor maiden you flung me back with scorn the troth which i had plighted i have explained all all to mr foker that you have said foker with devotion and conviction in his looks what all said pen with a meaning look at blanche it is i am in fault is it well well blanche be it so i won't appeal against your sentence and bear it in silence i came down here looking to very different things heaven knows and with a heart most truly and kindly disposed towards you i hope you may be happy with another as on my word it was my wish to make you so and i hope my honest old friend here will have a wife worthy of his loyalty his constancy and affection indeed they deserve the regard of any woman even miss blanche amory shake hands harry don't look askance at me has anybody told you that i was a false and heartless character i think your ah uh, foker was beginning in his wrath when blanche interposed henry not a word i pray you let there be forgiveness you're an angel by jove you're an angel said foker at which blanche looked seraphically up to the chandelier in spite of what has passed for the sake of what has passed i must always regard arthur as a brother the seraph continued we have known each other years we have trodden the same fields and plucked the same flowers together arthur henry i beseech you to take hands and to be friends 
forgive you i forgive you arthur with my heart i do should i not do so for making me so happy there is only one person of us three whom i pity blanche arthur said gravely and i say to you again that i hope you will make this good fellow this honest and loyal creature happy happy oh heavens said harry he could not speak his happiness gushed out at his eyes she don't know she can't know how fond i am of her and-and who am i a poor little beggar and she takes me up and says she'll try and i-i love me i ain't worthy of so much happiness give us your hand old boy since she forgives you after your heartless conduct and says she loves you i'll make you welcome i tell you i'll love everybody who loves her by goodness if she tells me to kiss the ground i'll kiss it tell me to kiss the ground i say tell me i love you so you see i love you so blanche looked up seraphically again her gentle bosom heaved she held out one hand as if to bless harry and then royally permitted him to kiss it she took up the pocket-handkerchief and hid her own eyes as the other fair hand was abandoned to poor harry's tearful embrace i swear that is a villain who deceives such a loving creature as that said pen blanche laid down the handkerchief and put hand number two softly on foker's head which was bent down kissing and weeping over hand number one foolish boy she said it shall be loved as it deserves who could help loving such a silly creature and at this moment frank clavering broke in upon the sentimental trio i say pendennis he said well frank the man wants to be paid and go back he's had some beer i'll go back with him cried pen good-bye blanche god bless you foker old friend you know neither of you want me here he longed to be off that instant stay i must say one word to you one word in private if you please blanche said you can trust us together can't you henry the tone in which the word henry was spoken and the appeal ravished foker with delight trust you said he oh who wouldn't trust you come along frankie my boy let's have a cigar said frank as they went into the hall she don't like it said foker gently law bless you she don't mind pendennis used to smoke regular said the candid youth it was but a short word i had to say said blanche to pen with great calm when they were alone you never loved me mr pendennis i told you how much said arthur i never deceived you i suppose you would go back and marry laura continued blanche was that what you had to say said pen you were going to her this very night i am sure of it there is no denying it you never cared for me et vous et moi c'est différent i have been spoilt early i cannot live out of the world out of excitement i could have done so but it is too late if i cannot have emotions i must have the world you would offer me neither one nor the other you are blasé in everything even in ambition you had a career before you and you would not take it you give it up for what for a bêtise for an absurd scruple why would you not have that seat and be such a puritain why should you refuse what is mine by right by right entendez-vous 
you know all then said pen only within a month but i have suspected ever since Bayman. and nampore since when it is not too late he is as if he had never been and there is a position in the world before you yet why not sit in parliament exert your talent and give a place in the world to yourself to your wife i take celui-là il est bon il est riche il est vous les connaissez autant que moi enfin think you that i would not prefer un homme qui fera parler de moi if the secret appears i am rich a millions how does it affect me it is not my fault it will never appear you will tell harry everything won't you je comprends vous refusez said blanche savagely i will tell harry at my own time when we are married you will not betray me will you you having a defenceless girl's secret will not turn upon her and use it s'il me plaît de la cacher mon secret pourquoi le donnerai je je l'aime mon pauvre père voyez-vous i would rather live with that man than with you fades intriguers of the world i must have emotions il m'en donne il m'écrit il écrit très bien voyez-vous comme un pirate comme un bohémien comme un homme but for this i would have said to my mother ma mère quittant ce lâche mari cette lâche société retournant à mon père the pirate would have wearied you like the rest said pen eh il me faut des émotions said blanche pen had never seen her or known so much about her in all the years of their intimacy as he saw and knew now though he saw more than existed in reality for this young lady was not able to carry out any emotion to the full but had a sham enthusiasm a sham hatred a sham love a sham taste a sham grief each of which flared and shone very vehemently for an instant but subsided and gave place to the next sham emotion End of chapter seventy four